Hello and welcome, neighbors. I'm Brian Plain, and this is the Live Here Riverside podcast. This podcast shares the stories of good people doing great things right here in our village of Riverside, Illinois. My guest today is Scott Zimmer. Scott owns and operates a neighborhood gem and award-winning restaurant, The Choo Choo, and recently opened a high-end sandwich shop, Sawmilly, both located right here at Riverside. In our conversation, we discuss Scott's journey from how he originally found Riverside, the evolution of the choo-choo over the past 20 years, his decision to open Sawmilly at the encouragement of his longtime staff, and the community and great friends he's made over the years here in Riverside. Without further ado, here's my conversation with our neighbor, Scott Zimmer. Scott, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Brian. So let's start with your story. Are you from Riverside originally or where, where did you grow up? I'm a kind of a Chicago boy. I mean, I wasn't, I was born on the East Coast and then my parents moved me all over the place. But by the time I was like in junior high, we settled in the Chicago area. So. Okay. And, and what brought you to the, I guess what brought you, I, I, I know the answer. I know the answer is your business, but I guess what, what brought you or how did you discover Riverside? It was an accident, quite frankly. At the time, I was thinking about opening a business. I was working downtown in the city of Chicago on Navy Pier, and that was a very vibrant scene back then. Well, it still is, obviously, but I had enough of the touristy crowd, and I was thinking about doing something on my own, and I started you know, exploring some options. And The place I actually settled on was on the north side in the city. And I kind of started committing some resources to doing that project, and it fell apart. And I was really disappointed, and I didn't really know what to do. Word got out that my project didn't get off the ground, and one of my old chefs that worked for me lived here in Riverside and called me up and said, hey, there's this little place in the center of this cute little town that really needs some direction and some love. And I think you can get it. So that place was obviously in the arcade building. And I contacted the landlord who was actually the person that was kind of operating the restaurant. And it had already been closed. And we started negotiating. And turns out that was the birthplace of the choo-choo. Wow. Okay. So, so you were originally, and again, I'm a, I'm a relatively, well, I'm, I'm definitely a newcomer by Riverside standards as we're, we're just hitting the two year mark here personally. But so you yeah. started, so how long ago is that that you, that you started in the arcade building? 21 years ago. Okay. And I know the choo-choo has moved since then. So how long were, I guess, how long were you in the arcade building before you, you landed to your current location? We were in the arcade building for 11 years. We signed a 10-year lease, and back then I was just 27 years old. I thought a 10-year lease was eternity, and I never thought I would see the end of that lease. Just, you know, you're at that age where you don't, you know, think for the long term. You're just like, let's, you know, 10 years is enough. But we wanted to stay there longer, Mm -hmm. and we ended up staying there for 11 years, but the circumstances with the building and our lease and the real estate market it just wasn't lining up. They uh, kept wanting to really drive up the rent for that property to a point where my attorney's like, they don't want you there. It's just time that you got to move out. And so sadly we did. I didn't even have more than a couple weeks notice for the staff and for our guests, but you know, it was literally like, here comes the semi, load everything up. It's time for us to move on. 
Wow. So yeah, it was very emotional. And at that time we didn't even have a home picked for you because it happened so fast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that led us on this journey of trying to find our new home. Okay. So how long was the gap then, I guess, between where you, where you landed, where you are now, or I should back up. Maybe I'm assuming that you landed where you are now. Was there an interim space in between, or I guess, how long was that? Uh, we, time we made some kind of, yeah, we, we had what we thought was going to be like a, an interim plan, but it didn't really come together. So what we ended up doing was something pretty bold. I already owned the building where um, the Choo Choo Kitchen is, mm-hmm. and that was a bakery back in the day. And the bakery was paying you know, us rent to be there, and there was an apartment above. So we already had that building in Riverside, which we bought just as a investment because mm-hmm. the Choo Choo was doing so well. And we're like, well, let's put money in real estate like everyone else was doing back in the day then. Sure. But we started looking all over the Chicagoland area for the new home for the Choo Choo. We, we had negotiations in Forest Park. We had uh, negotiations in Oak Park, LaGrange, you name it. We looked all over. But nothing was feeling right. And I was really frightened about the idea of doing another lease because the last lease ended in such a poor, it just concluded very poorly. We, uh, the staff, the customers, everyone ended up upset with us having to move out so quickly. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to lease again. Let's figure out a way to just do something in a building we own. And we already own this building. And the bakery was struggling to make ends meet. They were always late with their rent. And so we started thinking, what if we, you know, were to put something in, you know, the bakery building? Well, that project turned out to be even a bigger project because we realized there was no functional way to put a restaurant like what we needed for our volume in that space. We started looking at doing a multi-level space and gutting the apartment above and creating more space, but we still felt we were short for the investment for the amount of seats that we were going to end up having, which seats generate revenue. So Mm -hmm. we felt it was, the deal was kind of dead. Then one day, as we're contemplating all of these options, I walk by our neighbor right next door to the east of us, which was where the Choo Choo Bar is now. And that was a building that was occupied by a travel agent. Her name was Marilyn. And Back in the day, travel agents were really big, uh, but as I walked by, you know, she's sitting in this big property, eating lunch by herself at a desk with six or seven other empty desks. And a little bell went off and I opened the door and I, I walked in and I said, Marilyn, do you think it might be time for you to, you know, sell, to move on and, you know, different, chart a different life? And she looked at me kind of with a smile with a, while she's eating her lunch, she's <laughs> like, I think we might be able to do something here. So just like that, I walked down the street to the bank and I said, what do you think? They're like, we love the idea. We started putting together a proposal and within a month we closed. Wow, that's great. And then yeah, how, so, how long was the build out? I guess how long was it from the time when you had that conversation with her and then with the bank till the choo-choo, I guess, it was, came it to It was be. basically about a year and a half okay. to get us open. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. So we've talked a lot about, I guess, kind of the, the ups and downs of real estate negotiations as it relates to the choo-choo and its existence. I guess, tell me a little bit more about the concept and, you know, maybe kind of from how the choo-choo started to kind of where it is today. The original choo-choo started out as basically a coffee shop with food. That was the original concept. Hmm. Uh, when I came out of college, I was heavily recruited by Starbucks. And sometimes I pinch myself. <laughs> I didn't go that direction. But <laughs> but 
I always looked at the Starbucks concept and thought, well, this is great, but how are you going to generate enough revenue and how are you going to do without food? Because it was always just little pastries and stuff like that. And well, little did I know that I totally guessed that one wrong. But when I came to Choo Choo, or when I built the Choo Choo, I'm like, I'm going to show them you can do a coffee bar with food and in a vibrant, you know, little town, you know, with the train going by and, you know, we'll be super successful. And so that's how we started. That was the whole vision. And we, we were open at six o'clock every morning and people lined up for their coffee and they came and got their muffins and things. But we still weren't driving enough sales to warrant the big space that we had. It was close to you know 3,500 square feet. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty big space to make it all work. And we started doing special events with food at night to kind of create a, a bigger buzz. And they were incredibly successful. And I'm thinking, well, this market deserves a dinner place, a place to eat. But to, in order to have a successful restaurant at night, we needed a liquor license that would allow us to have a full bar. Mm-hmm. And back then, 20 years ago in Riverside, it was dry. You were not allowed to have a martini, you know, or a cocktail. And you even actually, I think the law was written so specifically where you actually had to have food in front of a person in order to give them a drink. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like someone walking in and ordering a glass of wine, that was not allowed. Sure. It was, it, was, it, was, it was an archaic law. So we decided to approach the village and say, hey, you know, we've been in business for a year now and we think we're getting a good response, but we could really use that competitive advantage of having a liquor license, a full bar to complement our dinner service. And then we might have a vibrant business here. So we you know, sent off the email or the letter and dropped it off. And it turned out that that letter was received immediately and it ended up like within a day or two, discussed by the village board and unanimous support came out. Wow. The village attorney contacted me, said, how do you want to draft this? And people came in and said, Scott, I think this is going to happen. And I was just blown away with emotion. I'm like, wow, this is going to be big to have Riverside's first full liquor license. And oh my gosh, now how am I going to manage this? How are we going to pull this off? And sure enough, within a matter of a month, we had a full liquor license. And then we began the process of converting the coffee bar, you know, concept that the Choo Choo originally was into a more full service restaurant. And uh, once we got the bar built and got everything in place, it just took off. And that was kind of our big break. Wow. That's great. And I'm sure a lot of the people that'll be listening to this are obviously people local to Riverside. And I think Choo Choo certainly has if the best brand recognition of, <laughs> of I'd argue, any business in, in Riverside, certainly. But for folks that haven't been there for folks kind of new to town, I guess, how would you describe the choo-choo to folks when they ask, you know, tell me about your restaurant? It's an interesting question because I guess it just depends who you ask. (laughs) The choo-choo is, as you know, probably been, well, over time, like one of the only places to go and have a meal, uh, a nice meal. And so we've actually been many different restaurants, just depending on the people that come through the door. We get a lot of people coming in for families. We get a lot of business meetings coming in. We get a lot of First dates, we get a lot of anniversary parties, birthday parties, you name it. We've kind of been a every occasion type restaurant over the years to appeal to as many people and to be many things. I think you'd be really hard to walk into the choo-choo and not find something that's going to appeal to you, whether it be an appetizer, a salad, a soup, a fresh fish, a high quality steak, or just a burger or a pasta dish. So we kind of have something for everyone with high quality foods. People compare us to downtown eateries all the time, 
but we just happen to be in a location that doesn't charge you $20 for parking or you don't need valet. You can just walk in the door most times and find a chair. Often we get busy and there's a wait, but we make it short and we get you in and, you know, make people happy. So it's a fun place to come. And the, the staff's been wonderful. They've been with me for a super long time. And then the community's been an unbelievable supporter of us. So it's been a fun ride. It's great to hear you describe it like that too, because that's often how I kind of describe it to folks. And I think it's so hard to, I, or I can only imagine how hard it is to kind of toe that line of being so many different things to so many different people, but still executing on all of those well. And I think, you know, I, I almost feel like it's a disservice to call you the ultimate neighborhood place, but I, but I, only, I almost mean it as a compliment in terms of that, like you said, you know, we can show up and my wife and I can go for you know, a romantic dinner by ourselves, but at the same time, we can bring our three-year-old and not feel, not feel out of place. And I think that's, that's very hard to pull off. So credit, credit to you for, for being able to successfully do that. Yeah. Well, you, you can't be everything to everyone. We've learned that. Sure. But we've, <laughs> I think we've narrowed it down, I think, pretty well right now. And uh, we're hitting on all cylinders. So it's good. No, that's great. And I guess speaking of that, I guess that hitting on all cylinders. So you not too long ago recently took the plunge and opened another business here in Riverside. So I guess why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the sawmill concept is something I've been playing with for a long time. And I always have these ideas. I write them down. I, my wife makes fun of me. I, you know, create these concepts. I put them in files down in our office and sometimes they sit there, you know, sometimes I open them up, play with them some more, but sawmill has been something I've been playing with for a while. The, what really started the acquisition of the property next door, however, was my team, my staff. There was a pattern. And after 20 years of doing this, what I started to see was unless I find homes for like my all-stars, my great people, mm-hmm. eventually they outgrow me. Sure. And that's good. It's exciting. I mean, I, I'm sitting in my office right now and I'm looking at pictures of some previous employees that have gone on and opened up restaurants and been voted Midwest Best Chef and they've been super successful. And those things always make me feel really good, but I always felt like, well, what if I somehow could have kept that person and we could have grown together or what have you? And so it was a real estate deal buying next door because mm-hmm. it was a struggling business and the bank was excited to put a new tenant in there, which just so happened to be the bank I work with. And so they were aggressive on the pricing for us. They're like, let's figure out a way to get you in there. You can you know, clean it up, do whatever you have to do. And in my mind, I'm like, what if... I could find a home for some of my all-star staff so they could grow too. So that's what started the whole process. Now, what ended up from the time we made the decision to buy the property to the time that we actually opened was so unpredictable and not anything what was intended (laughs) at all, which is how sometimes these things go. We thought originally the sawmill space was going to be a simple add some bleach, add some paint, clean it up, and let's go. That's not what happened at all. We, we ran into some code issues. We had to put a lot more money in than we ever intended. And the project took way longer than we ever would have expected. Last year, as you know, the downtown went through like a, a street resurgence with a whole new streetscape and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that had a really big impact on the choo-choo business, which then had a further effect on getting sawmilly off the ground. So it was kind of like just a, a double-edged sword. We ended up with a, a big problem financially to get Sawmilly up and going, but we fought, we fought, we worked hard, we worked hard. All the staff just so proud that we finally got it opened in December and it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. So, No, that's great. Well, and again, I think as a, as a resident, but also a business owner myself, I mean, I think I just, I appreciate 
the risk that you're willing to take, you know, personally, just because again, of the, the upfront investment that's just involved with doing a restaurant and infrastructure and even, I mean, not even doing a restaurant, just getting a restaurant ready to, ready to go and to start is a, is a huge undertaking. So, I mean, kudos to you for not only taking the risk, but navigating through all of that as well, too. And I guess, tell us a little bit more about, you know, again, for the folks who haven't been yet or, or you know, don't know of Saw Millie, I guess, tell, tell us a little bit about the kind of the concept around that. It's a sandwich shop. We wanted to do kind of a, a play on an old-fashioned sandwich shop where things were not so preserved and in a bad way. Like when you come and get a, a turkey sandwich over at Saw Millie, we're not taking, you know, some seven muscle pressed deli meat and putting on a slicer and putting it on some preservative loaded bread and, you know, putting some generic mayonnaise with lettuce and tomato and calling it a day. We take whole turkeys. We roasted them at first. Now we've learned that if we poach them, we actually end up with a better turkey, mm-hmm. which is something new we've just discovered in the last month. But so we poach these turkeys and then we gently pull the meat. We layered on this multi-grain wheat roll, which is all natural, uh, provided from us uh, from a Chicago baker. And then we do uh, an herb blend mayonnaise. We do an applewood bacon. We add a homemade onion marmalade to it. And we create these somewhat magical sandwiches that people are drawn towards. And so far, that's been our concept. We're also roasting whole briskets. We're roasting pork shoulders. We're doing all sorts of things to keep it fun and exciting, doing things on bread. But it doesn't stop there. We're also doing stuffed potatoes, which are a huge success where we're taking these nice Idaho potatoes. We roast them real slow. They get this nice, crisp, kind of salty crust. And then we fill them with all these fun ingredients. And for people that don't want uh, the weight of maybe a bread sandwich, these are a really nice option for people. And we fill them with things like crab meat or chicken and broccoli or ham and asparagus with a hollandaise sauce. And that's been really big. Other things we offer over there are salads. We have some nice side dishes. We make our homemade pasta salad. We make our homemade chips, which is probably the biggest, most popular thing that we do, where we actually hand cut potato chips every day. And we cook them every day and we serve them as a side dish and they're just wonderful. Oh, that's great. And one of my little favorite things, well, two things actually I'll mention. The first one is I love on the kids menu, the, the crust optional offering <laughs> that, you, that you put out there. That, that took me back to my youth too of, you know, when you used to peel that off. So um, I think that that speaks to the level of care that you're putting into all of your sandwiches as well too. Yeah. Thanks. I, yeah. It's so funny. Kids get such a kick out of it. So. Yeah. And then I guess I think I'd be remiss if I didn't have you tell people too about the, I mean, to put it mildly, the, you know, pretty amazing waste disposal system that you, that you put into Sawmilly as well too. And I know that's something you're passionate about. So I guess tell us a little bit about that as well. Well, first we started, we were really short on space in that area there. It's a thousand square feet. And so we started thinking of every creative way to save a square inch here, a square inch there, what have you. Much like, uh, you know, a boat builder designs a boat, like every little nook and cranny needs to have some sort of a functional way of doing it. And so when I started thinking about the space and the trash that when you start doing disposable lunches and where everything's going in paper, it's amazing. Like our little concept sawmill generates more trash than, or, you know, or, or intended trash than even a space like Choo Choo does wow. because of all, everything is, every fork is being thrown away, every spoon, every glass, every cup, every tray. And so you have all these paper goods. It's amazing. And then I'm like, well, wow, what a waste. What are we going to, where are we going to store all this? What are we going to do? 
And it just so happens that the Flood Brothers, the local garbage company, has been trying to expand their composting efforts. And I knew very little of composting. I have a good friend who's an expert, and she was kind enough to kind of, you know, show me how it can be done. But it took a lot of research to figure out how to, you know, throw away a paper bag in a, in a nice way, how to throw away a straw in a nice way and not have it be harmful to landfills and just create all these problems. So we ended up with a garbage collecting system that we designed. I never saw a model like this anywhere. We take our, almost everything we buy is compostable, which adds to cost, you know, which makes us a high-end sandwich shop. But Mm -hmm. we feel most people appreciate the effort here and they they understand we're trying to do things in in the right way. So 95% of everything that comes out of Sawmilly ends up in our compost area. Then there are a few items that we recycle, which are basically bottles and cans. And then there's just a very small micro amount of things that end up in landfill, which is like a ketchup wrapper or something like that, that the technology is not quite there yet. And it's been getting a lot of support. But I will say there's a learning curve. And there was one for me when I first started this. And for the general public, there's still a lot of misinformation or people aren't really embracing it yet. And especially in a fast food environment where most people are just used to taking their plastic tray and throwing everything in a chute Mm -hmm. and walking out the door. When we present them with three options for their trash, you should, I wish I had a camera (laughs) on that wall (laughs) to stare back at the looks people give us, you know, because some people get frustrated. Oh, you're, I have to think about how I do this. And in a way, yeah, let's think about this for a second. What are we doing to our environment? And so most people, once they figure it out, we got them. They're like, they're doing it right. And, and, and so we, they, they buy in. Some people, on the other hand, they just you know, don't want to be challenged yet like that. But I think over time, it's going to prove to be the, the right way to go. Well, and I like the way you set it up, because like you said, it's true. If you're used to one as being the default option, you add three. Yes, that it, there is a learning curve to it. But I think I had the same reaction the first time I went in. I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on here? But then when you realize, you know, again, kind of the reason behind it and why you're doing it, I think certainly it, most people, I think, will adopt, as, as you said, because you realize that there's a, a large benefit to everybody to doing it that way as well, too. Yeah. And, you know, we can work better on educating people and we can, you know, our signage itself, I think we can improve upon and we're going in that direction too. Sometimes pictures are better than words and, you know, we're thinking about doing it that way, but it's off to a great start. I could not be more proud of Sawmilly in the first six months is just really, we've learned a lot. We're taking notes every day. And I think it's, it's not something that's going to be here and gone. It's, it's going to have longevity staying power and people are buying into it. And once we can expand the hours and the catering, I think it's going to be a home run for the community, for us, for my staff. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, well, I've, I've adjusted my schedule as such to make sure that I am working in town to uh, take advantage of lunch accordingly. So I would, I, I would echo those statements that you're making there as well, Scott. Thank you, Brian. So I guess to get a little bit more into the Riverside specific questions now, what's one thing that you wish more folks in Riverside knew about you personally? Hmm. Gosh, I don't know. I feel like I'm an open book. I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve. (laughs) You know, I think everyone knows I'm a hard worker. They know I love my family. They know I'm trying to provide for them. I think people that get to know me more know I love the water and love boating. That's like my passion. And I feel because it's kind of like 
my little escape because I'm so much in a fishbowl when you're in the restaurant. And so when my family and I can get out on the water and float around, it feels like a little bit of an escape. So that's my favorite thing to do with my family is just, you know, kind of have that little escape every once in a while. So we're looking forward to Memorial Day weekend. We're going to go out boating and, you know, have a great time. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I, I'm the same way with water. What, that's one of the things that drew me to Riverside was just being near water is very, very, one of the few things that stops my brain from going a million miles per hour. And it sounds like you're much the same that way. So, yeah. Yeah. So same question here, but what's one thing that you wish more people in Riverside knew about your businesses? They knew about our businesses. Gosh, I don't know. I think people kind of know what we are. I, I think well, I'll be honest. I think they need to know that sometimes we do make mistakes. You know, we're not a, a restaurant environment is not a perfect place. And I, you know, what does disappoint me sometimes is, you know, I know sometimes a staff will spill something on someone or will overcook a burger or what have you. After 20 years, there's not going to be a shortage of mistakes when it comes to running a, a restaurant. That's for sure. Some of my staff comes in and they're with me for a very short time and I never get a chance to properly get them a hundred percent, you know, on board and, you know, maybe an experience upsets someone over time. So I think most people are pretty forgiving when it comes to ex experiences at restaurants, but I know sometimes I see people drive by and I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen that person in, you know, six months or a year. And I do remember, Oh yeah, we had that situation. And I'm like, Oh, I wish they would forgive us and just give us a second chance. Cause I think we do a good job. I think the town genuinely supports us overwhelmingly, but there's always that one or two people that I'm like, Oh, I wish they would just, you know, come check us out again and, and give us a second chance. So if, if anyone listening had an experience where they once felt like we weren't hundred percent with them, we're sorry. And we're, we'll try to do better next time. But Overall, we get amazing support, not just from Riverside, but, you know, from communities outside too. But, you know, that's all I can think of, I guess. No, that's, that's I think that's a good answer. And again, I think especially, and I, I realize the irony of saying this on a podcast, but in the internet age, I think sometimes people are reluctant to kind of share or speak up if something wasn't, you know, what they liked or so forth. And their first reaction is like, oh, let's go on Yelp and, you know, talk about how terrible that was that that happened to me. And it's like, you know, I'm, I, I tend to be pretty forgiving in that category of, you know, I'm pretty sure that person didn't wake up today and say, Hey, I'm going to spill that drink on you today. Like, you know, this is my, this is my goal in life. So yeah, I think that's a, a good answer that way. So what, and I guess, what would you say is your favorite thing about Riverside? And this can be related to your businesses or just for you personally? Well, it's just so refreshing from, uh, to come into a business and 99% of the time the people are walking in to have a good time they know us personally. It's kind of like one big family. So it's nice to come into an environment and to be greeted with a smile and to, you know, see people genuinely happy coming into a space and, you know, leaving, saying good things. And, you know, anyway, what was the question? <laughs> I lost my no, that was good. That was your favorite thing about Riverside. So no, I think. I yeah, it's just the, it's the, it's the people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the people. I, you know, my best friends are here in town. And that's what keeps us going. It's the community itself. We look forward to the 4th of July. We look forward to the cruise nights and just being part of the town itself. That's what's so special about it. That's good. And flip side of that question now, you get to change one thing about Riverside, no questions asked. What would that be and why? And you know, I think, we'll, we'll, we'll limit it to one, Scott. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. I think the biggest shortfall of Riverside is their inability to take advantage of the river itself. Mm -hmm. I think it's the most special part about the town, yet 
for most people driving through, you wouldn't know a river exists Mm -hmm. with the exception of going over a bridge or two. And I know it can be debated as far as keeping things natural, making things more useful. I'm certainly not for commercializing the river. So hopefully no one's thinking, I'm thinking that, but it's our best resource, the river itself. And I think it, if it was utilized in a way, I can think of other towns that have done this. Um, I think it would generate higher property values. I think make it more walker friendly. I mean, it's already a, a walking friendly community, but I think, you know, utilizing that river, I think would be something that I think would improve the quality of life for everyone. That gets my vote too. So thanks. Last question. What's the kindest thing that someone from Riverside has done for you? The kindest? Yep. Uh, well, I, I'm going to have to go back to when we first started. Um, and I, gosh, I'm having a hard time remembering his, uh, Phil, I believe was his name. He was a trustee at the time. And when we first opened up, he came to me and knocked on the door and said, son, you're going to need some help fulfilling this vision here. And I'm going to help you. So he took me over to Village Hall and he introduced me to everyone. And that was a great start, but I got to follow it up. So we got our, essentially our permits and everything to, to get started, but I wasn't exactly sure how and what we were going to build. You know, we got our, we were working on our licensing and we were doing the, the demo of the space. And, you know, of course, everyone's looking in what we were going to do. And then this woman in town came up to me and said, hi, you know, my name's MJ and I'd like to help you design your restaurant. And I said, well, that's nice. We're, you know, talking to a few other people in town and tell me your vision and whatever. She's like, well, you're going to end up picking me. And I said, well, what makes you so kind of sure? And she's like, because I'm going to do it for free because I've lived in this town almost my whole life. And you're the one that is going to finally bring us a quality restaurant and I'm going to help you. And sure enough, MJ was kind of like our mother. She helped us with, you know, picking out the colors, helped us understanding the market, helped us figure out ways to save a penny. And, you know, ever since that moment, she's been, you know, the one that has kind of led us on our journey. Her children all kind of work in construction and do different things, and they've all helped out. And they even helped with the construction of the new choo-choo. And they've even been the ones that have helped us out with uh, Sawmilly. So if there's one person out there that has probably been the most influential on us and the nicest to us is MJ. And what's so funny is even with Mother's Day just coming up, we sent her flowers that just said, you know, happy Mother's Day, MJ, from Choo Choo and Saw Millie. So she's probably been the kindest over the years for sure. Well, that's, I think that's a a great, great story to to end with there. Thanks so much for doing this. For folks that want to find Saw Millie or Choo Choo, where should they go online? If there's anything you want to, you guys have coming up that you want to tell us about, I'll just give you a minute to kind of let us know where we can find you and, and what else is going on. Well, the Choo Choo and Saw Millie are right next door to each other. Actually, they're one building. We're at 33 East Burlington and Riverside, right across from Riverside Foods in downtown, which everyone knows. And we're just maybe a block east of the water tower. So it's really easy to find us. Look for the black awning. Online, uh, uh, the Choo Choo has a website, which is the com, 
And there you can see pictures of the restaurant, our menu, and everything else you might want to know about us. Sawmilly is still in the early stages of an internet presence. In fact, we've kind of intentionally kept it on the down low because we, you know, we're still figuring it out. But we do have a Facebook page, which is uh, Sawmilly uh, at Facebook. And there you can see a copy of our menu. And there's, if you go to that a particular site online, there's an amazing video, which was done by the Riverside TV Television Commission. And it's like a three-minute video that has amazing pictures and video of Sawmilly. And it talks about all the great things we do over there. So if you want to learn more about that particular business, that I would encourage, you know, taking a couple minutes to watch that video and you'll learn everything you need to know. Great. Well, thanks. Thanks again so much, Scott. I appreciate you spending the time with us today. Thanks, Brian, for all your support. You have a good one. You too. Hey, neighbor, Brian here again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Here Riverside podcast. You can read our blog posts and hear future episodes of this podcast by visiting us online at livehereriverside.com or liking our Facebook page, Live Here Riverside. One last thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a neighbor that you think would enjoy it as well. Thanks for stopping by.